All right. Um, look, basically what I do is say welcome and uh, thank you all for coming and to let you know uh, a little bit about the SCAF Culture and Ideas program into which framework this fits. And then I will hand over to uh, Rana uh, Pinnery and uh, Jasmine Stevens, the curator of the show, and I'll tell you a tiny little bit about them when I do the opening. But the, the reason why you had to wait for me, otherwise you could have just started, is I like to contextualise things. And um, the context for this is as follows. <clears throat> we do three to four projects a year at SCAF. We're at the end of our seventh year this year since the movement from the commercial gallery to the foundation. So in 2015, we'll be going into our eighth year. Can you believe it, Rana, already? And... Um, we attach to the projects, we do a culture and ideas um, suite of conversations, uh, workshops, uh, children's workshops called Culture 4 with the number four kids. We focus in the children's section on the uh, primary school uh, age group, and we usually divide it, only take 25 or so children at a time from um, 4 or 5 to 8, and then 8 to 10, and then 10 to 12. So we try and do it very uh, in a very focused way, in a very specific way, rather than, and of course the big galleries and museums have to do it differently, they grand institutions with centuries of history in many cases, large audiences, and you know, when they have a children's program, I take my grandchildren and I took my own children, you know, sometimes you can find 50, 60 children there. This is a different thing, it's a different um, uh, it's, a, it's different in scale and it's different in focus. So what uh, the, the uh, Culture and Idea series is part of um, the extension, um, I suppose, program of the projects themselves. So if the artist speaks English, as Pinnery does perfectly, um, then we can involve uh, the artist in a discussion, which we're going to do today. If we have a curator, um, in many cases we commission new work ourselves and we don't have an outside curator, but if we do have a curator, uh, here's Jasmine, uh, they get involved. Uh, Rana uh, is... Um, uh, a long-standing follower and uh, highly knowledge of Pinnery's work and highly knowledgeable about the work. Uh, she's director of the Auckland uh, Gallery, the main gallery in New Zealand, uh, but she was associated in, a, in key roles, and I'm not going to say much because during the opening I'm going to introduce you more fulsomely. Uh, she was associated in a key position with the Asia-Pacific Triennials that started in Brisbane in 1990. And uh, Rana really is um, an expert on the contemporary art of uh, the Asia-Pacific region and has known Pinnery for many years. So we've got the three best possible people you can imagine. We used to have nine culture and idea sessions a year when we first started seven years ago. Um, I somehow have grown it. I don't know why. I grow everything I do, so I suppose it's not uncharacteristic of me. I just can't seem to help myself. Uh, somehow it has grown into... Um, well, it's grown bigger and bigger, and it's almost as big as the projects side of things now. So almost every week we have one or two sessions about something, either with the children or with adults, 
um, and sometimes with both. So with that as a um, as an introduction, my last word is to, she's not here, it's her birthday today and they're going out for dinner, but to thank uh, Sam Mears, the Nelson Mears Foundation um, uh, subsidizes, doesn't fully pay for, but substantially pays for the Culture and Ideas series. So we are able to bring people in from all over and uh, not worry so much about the costs involved. So now um, you're going to hear a lot about Pinnery's work. Uh, Rana Devonport, uh, the uh, very wonderful curator, educator, writer. Rana's been involved with all sorts of museums, film, uh, not film, uh, arts, culture festivals, and now is directing the major museum in New Zealand. Pinnery St. Petak, did you come through the main entrance? So you've glimpsed the show, most beautiful show. And Jasmine Stevens, who also goes back a long, long uh, way with me. Um, I knew her at the MCA when she was working, running the education department here in Sydney. Uh, she worked um, at the Fremantle Arts Centre, which, strangely enough, I went to, to give a fashion talk at one point, and then a talk on fashion, and uh, she's worked um, a lot in Asia and around Asia, under Asia Link, uh, which is a Melbourne University-related um, institute connecting Australia with Asia, but not just culturally, business, health, security, and culturally. So we couldn't have a better um, combination of people. Quick welcome to Johnny Walker and Kafka. Where's Kafka, Johnny? Uh, jet lag. You'll be jet lag, yes. Okay. Well, I'll say a proper welcome. Uh, Johnny's come all the way from Tokyo with his partner, Kafka. We've got board members here, Akira and Tomoko Nakayama. I can't see anybody else. SCAF board members, uh, That, but they, uh, quite a few of them are coming later. So, here we are, and onward and upward. <laughs> we need... We don't need that. Yeah. Uh, you don't Good afternoon. Welcome, everyone. It's so fabulous to see you all, and what a what a terrific group of people: artists, curators, thinkers, writers, entrepreneurs. <laughs> um, great honour, and a fashion designer. I saw sneaking in the back there. Uh, so, uh, it's an enormous pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation, Jean. And uh, I rem remember my time working with you with enormous fondness. And when we worked on that project together back in 2004, it was, uh, it was a fabulous challenge when Jean said, now, darling, don't think about selling. Just make the very best show you can do. And we did, and we sold everything. So, <laughs> and uh, one of those works by Lin Tian Mao and Wang yeah, Shin is in your office, and it was lovely walking in this afternoon. A great reminder. So um, you're, you're extraordinary, Jean, what you're what you're doing um, with contemporary artists throughout the world. And what I particularly love about what you're doing now is these intersections between architecture and art and fashion, and most importantly, culture and ideas. Because we're all in the business of expanding the horizons of ideas through culture. So thank you sincerely for all your work. So Jasmine Stevens, fabulous curator, educator, uh, and uh, and now gal about the world, now that you're independent. I remember very fondly my very brief time at independent curator, and it's great. So you're clearly enjoying that tremendously and have curated this extremely beautiful show. So Pinnery, wonderful to see you again. We. Um, 
um, saw each other, Sydney, and um, then of course uh, we did a wonderful project together some time ago in um, Taranaki down in New Zealand. We'll talk about that a little. So uh, I'm going to do very little talking. It's really uh, more a conversation between us and we do want some time at the end uh, for discussion. When should we finish? Just so that I can uh, at six, I'll do okay. this, okay. and you can, and, we can <laughs> and I'll wave back and keep talking. And then there'll be okay. uh, in the last question, whatever the question is after that. That's perfect. Okay, so I do. I'm sure there will be questions that you're interested to ask. So, uh, uh, so Jasmine, I think the first um, question for you is how did this show come about? Um, the, the works span many decades, uh, they span a range of materials, uh, it's, it's a, a wonderful intensity in the space but as always with Pinnery's work there's a great quietude and a great sense of self-containment. So um, can you talk about the journey and, and the fact that you didn't actually meet Pinnery in Thailand when you were there. Well, that's right. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you to Jean and thank you to the team for the opportunity to work with you and to Pinnery. Pinnery has also asked that question because at the time I was approached by Jean <coughs> to put forward a proposal for Collection Plus. I didn't know Pinnery. I had some appreciation of the Bangkok scene. I'd done a curatorial residency <coughs> in Bangkok last year at the Reading Room, but I did have an appreciation of Pinnery's Habitat's <coughs> work. The things about Pinnery's work that were of interest to me were particularly her facility with materials. And I hope that's something that's very apparent in the exhibition. The exhibition very deliberately focuses upon a particularly narrow range of organic and geometric forms. But in other ways, I feel it's very expansive, particularly in the area of materials and the techniques, the visions and the ideas surrounding the use of materials. So that was probably what was drawing me to Pinnery. I've also mentioned to Pinnery that uh, her interest in questions of womanly identity, ideas about the female, ideas about identity, which in fact cross gender, they relate to the senses, how we relate to our bodies, ideas of exterior space, but also deep ideas of interiority. These were things that I was also drawn to with Pinnery. But one thing I've said to her is that there are lots of artists who are interested in these ideas, and many of these ideas are actually brought to audiences through a rich approach to materials, or through the use of metaphor, which we do see in the show. But recently, I've been reading a lot about how the organisation of space reflects questions of power and gender. And I thought, as I worked with Pinnery, and as I developed this show, and as I wrote the essay, that I might be able to bring some of these ideas about how space is organised, how space is perceived, to this question of how social relations are organised. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. 
uh, thinking about those works, they all, and I was thinking particularly about Anything Can Break, which is a, a piece we'll talk about in a minute. But the works contain space, and it's something I was only just thinking about today, actually, where the spaces are very, very tiny with the vessels, or enormously large with womanly bodies. And womanly bodies, that magnificent piece of fibre art that you haven't seen since 1999. 1999. So since that, that piece was, was shown, and we'll show it in a moment, uh, that e extraordinary uh, way that uh, your work changes the space in which we enter. So, um, Pinnery, one, the, the, uh, the, one of the aspects people most talk about with your work, of course, is your absolutely recurring form of the breast, or the breast stupa. It could be a vessel, it could be uh, a, a sense of containment, it could be a bell. Um, I think before we launch into a more specific discussion, maybe if you could talk about that aspect because it's so central to all of the different components of your work and, and this particular grouping of work which you've never seen before in the space mm. and how, how uh, it's been for you. Yes, of course the breast stands out <laughs> and, and because I've been exploring it um, in so many ways, in so many mediums for, for such a period of time. So, uh, of course I become the breast artist, <laughs> and, um, but, but actually it's um, the body that, that is mm. my focus all along. And, and from this show, um, I, I think it's, um, it's, it's a part of my, my, my work that, that can, can relay that part of um, how, how, I, how I relate to the body, how I see the body. And of course, it started as, um, as uh, a woman uh, viewpoint, but, but um, through the years, it has evolved, and I think it's uh, cross-gender. Um, evolving uh, my interest in sensory perceptions, and um, so it really relates to all, um, you know, not just uh, male, female, mm. and it's mm. just uh, about the human being. Mm. Uh, I think and, now and to a good time, I think we'll launch into the slides because I think, um, uh, and this is a, a, a wonderful space called About Cafe, and uh, it's a project space run by Mio Yips Noy, and um, yeah. that's where I first saw that work. And, and where we first met. Where we first met, in, in that cafe, yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty well, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> so that was in 1998. So that was when we were researching. Uh, I was working with the Asia Pacific Triennial, and I was very fortunate to be on the team for Thailand, which was one of the great joys. Um, of my life and working there and looking at a, a, a huge variety of work and was absolutely astounded uh, by this particular work of, of Pinnery's called Womanly Bodies. And uh, she was saying that the Queensland Art Gallery are doing a terrific job looking after it because it's in absolutely pristine condition, which is not an easy thing to do with a work of this nature. And for Alistair Trung, he's in the audience, you'll know that the whole work has been steamed, which is what you do with frocks when you pull them out of boxes. <laughs> so, uh, so Pinnery, can you talk about this work? Um, this is uh, a body of work um, done in 1998, so it's uh, a few years after I started the breastworks. Um, Which is 95, wasn't it? 
94, 95, yeah. uh, about two months after I gave birth to my son. And uh, I was making it like a metaphor of the self, uh, a monument for womanhood. And then the, the next year, the, it became elongated, um, you know, coming back to reality. And, and then um, the body appeared, uh, very straightforward, the uh, torsos. Um, and, uh, and then I thought I might move on to something else. Um, you know, like when you have the full body, then, then, but, but then, like I said, it's, it's, um, I felt that there was so much more in it, and uh, it's such a fascinating part of the body, it's a beautiful form, and it has so much more for me to learn about and, and to know. Mm. So, I, that's why I just kept on doing it, and and of course you know it, it takes things takes time, and then so the the body uh, turned more abstract here, mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> becoming slightly like a vessel, mm. uh -huh. and and uh, and then it moves on to like the painting you saw in the gallery, uh, and more an open vessel. So my work is um, some would say semi-biographical. Um, very personal, but it has an open um, viewpoint that's uh, open for interpretation. Particularly interesting because the material is so beautiful, and I'm wondering whether the, your uh, your use of paper here relates back to your early training when you were on scholarship as a young student in Japan, and wondering whether there's that connection with that um, the, the sensuality and the particularity of paper making. I do find that um, I'm always drawn to um, very tact tactile materials, uh, tactile surface, um, uh, organic matters, uh, starting from when I started out with photography, uh, when I was studying at the uh, University of Scuba. Uh, I, I did my art training there, on, um, so I was spending time in Japan for uh, about six years. Uh, did my undergraduate there and uh, started from photography, actually, uh, doing mixed media work with um, photographs and, and uh, handmade paper, uh, both Thai and, and washi and Japanese paper. So it, I, I would say um, there would, it's, it's my foundation years. Uh, I was, I was in Japan from 20 to uh, 19 to 24, mm. 23, 24. So, so it's it it would be that that that. Um, It'll be interesting what happens with yeah. your your son because Sean is studying um, in Belgium at the moment and he's 20. So that the penetration of culture or the influence of culture will be very interesting as he evolves his creative practice. Mm -hmm. So maybe we move to the uh, next slide, please. Okay, so uh, we've only got six slides, so rather speak slowly and carefully about each of these works. And um, it was very generous of you to go back to About Cafe and um, that connection and it bring us. essential, right? <laughs> and zooming us up to the present day. I love this photo, it's such a beautiful photo. I always think it's you, but it, it may not be, you know. It's just the photographer's wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I also saw this work at um, Tyler Rowlands in New York. So a uh, beautiful piece called The Mirror uh, of cast aluminium made in a foundry out in the outskirts of Bangkok. So, and this is, of course, from the uh, Jen and Brian Sherman collection. 
and which is really, as Jean was saying, the heart of this exhibition, is for you to, for a curator, to choose a work, one work in the collection out of 800 works, one work, and spin and weave a whole exhibition around one work. So, Jasmine, why the mirror? Right. This, <laughs> no this pressure. Is, this is the starting point. This is the starting point. Uh, I was drawn to the simplicity and the economy of it. I feel it's actually a work which, um, without um, limiting our conversation about Pinnery, reflects many things about her intentions and her ideas as an artist. So the work, The Mirror, from 2009, is photographed here on the floor. We have chosen, Pinnery and I, to present the work on the floor in this exhibition, but it's a work that can actually be lent against the wall. And um, that approach to form, where we as the viewers can look down into the mirror, we can look up at the ceiling and see the reflection of the mirror in the ceiling, we can also carefully circle around the work. Not only gives us a sense of how Pinnerie perceives her body and her sense of space, but I'm hoping that what it will do is it will slow each of us down, not only slowing us down as we walk, but also slowing down our vision. So Pinnery and I have talked about the fact that initially it might appear that there isn't too much colour in the show, but the more I looked at the mirror, the more I saw not only nuances of light, but also different kinds of colour, with a lot of the colour actually coming from our bodies in the exhibition. Mm. So I, at this point, um, I was really thinking about what I would describe as exhibition making. I was asking the question, what would it be like to be in a space with Pinnery's work? And uh, after this, of course, then I started to think a lot more about the formalities. Where are Pinnery's works in Australian collections? What kinds of works are contained in the collections in Thailand? What kind of relationships does Pinnery have with collectors in Bangkok? And the other thing I should mention also is many of you will have seen the wonderful work at the MCA during the Sydney Biennale, Anything Can Break. I was also thinking about uh, the role of SCAF and the type of space. And uh, this exhibition, it's not a survey, it's not a retrospective, it's not a mini-survey, it's not anything like that. I very much felt that it was a snapshot it was a conversation between works. It was a conversation between viewers and works. And also, it was about the role of collectors in sustaining and really supporting artists. Mm -hmm. Jasmine just contacted me uh, last December by email, and I happened to be uh, having a show in Singapore in January, and so, um, and, and, and you were going to come to Singapore, so, so we, we arranged to meet. And um, at first I didn't quite understand about this project, and, uh, and, and, but, but after learning about it, Jean, and you, you're, you're doing such a great job, and, and uh, thank you so much for, for um, 
all of these uh, activities and extensions. And, um, and it, it, it's been uh, a fun and, and journey for me working with, um, working with Jasmine. Because after that meeting, we were just exchanging emails. And uh, at first, um, uh, concentrating on the collection at, in, in Australia, which most of them are at uh, Queensland Art Gallery. And then expanded to Thailand. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and um, it's, it's um, a very successful and well-curated show. I, I have never been to the, the space before, just seeing it from the, the photos. And um, because my works are uh, arranged uh, site specifically, so it was a lot of trust and um, exchange in um, uh, ideas about how how and what works will will work well with the space and 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 the idea you want to present. Yes. Yeah. Could I just add one thing? Obviously, it was a very quick finishing in Singapore, but since we've been working together, and as we've uh, laid out the mirror with the help of the team, and as we've walked around the breast stupatoferies, I've actually remembered that at your exhibition, we sat on the floor for an hour. We actually sat in the exhibition on the floor and uh, talked about the show. One of the, I was wondering, Jean, if mm -hmm. um, you could explain what drew you to acquire. You see a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> <So do> you. <laughs> but which of the works? To be honest, when I saw this work, yes. I went, mm, I don't really like that. You don't. No. I, it wasn't your favourite. No, 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 no. I really like no, that. Really I really like that. Oh, I would I love to live with that. Oh. I did oh. think that when I saw that. So, I um, you know. Yes. What did you, well, what's in, the motivation? In for my case, uh, the work, you know, it's 800 works in the collection, and um, just constant research. There's almost an art that uh, there isn't an art where I don't read something about Asian art and so on. So I'm, I'm looking and seeing and reading and so on, as Rana would be doing and Jasmine does. Uh, everybody uh, professionally interested and passionate about contemporary art would be doing the same. But um, I always come to the work somehow, obviously. There are hundreds of artists, as, Pinnery, uh, as Jasmine said, that work with the body, that work with identity. Um, I have been, well, two things. The one is that many years ago, and I would have to dig in order to find out the date. I can't remember, Ron, if you were at... Um, the Princeton Art Gallery still, but I am a government valuer. I don't do much of it, but um, you know, I am called upon from time to time to value art that is being gifted to an institution. So uh, you know, when you give a gift for a as a cultural gift, um, you can get a tax deduction, and in anybody uh, can and if you uh, but your gift has to be valued by uh, two independent valuers that don't speak to each other in order for you to um, in order for the government to assess what the work's worth so that that then becomes the tax deductible sum so the government is very specific about this because they lose tax money which means they're losing money and so that you can't just say, oh, I think this worth is worth is worth you know, 
$5,000, it doesn't work like that. You've got to back it up, you've got to view the work, you've got to do a lot of research on prices, you rely on commercial galleries uh, to let you know what they've sold work for in previous exhibitions. And I was asked to do a valuation, quite a big valuation by the Queensland Art Gallery in a, a year that I've forgotten, but a long, long time ago. Uh, the one artist, and it was a body of work, was Monty and Boonma, a very famous Thai artist who died uh, prematurely, and a number of you are nodding, uh, whose work I knew quite well. And then I was asked to do, and I'd seen a large show at the Asia Society in New York. And so I was familiar with Monty and Boonma's work. And then the second artist, and this was a couple I who were gifting. I can't remember if they were Thai, but I think they were, gifting work to the Queensland Art Gallery, the other uh, part of the gift was a body of work by a young woman artist called Pinari Sanpitak, and I'd not heard of her. So I had to do my research in order to, you know, get the job done. <laughs> Annette Larkin was the other um, valuer. We were not supposed to talk to each other at all about this, but we ended up by accident on the same plane to Brisbane. <laughs> and uh, we got quite sort of nervous about saying anything. Anyway, that's how I came to Pinnery's work. And I uh, then started following it on the Google, at exhibitions and all over. That's how I do everything. Thing. And finally, Tyler Rollins had the show. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Wonderful story, covering a lot of information. My campaign in um, New Zealand is to, uh, and I'm working on it, to have that system allowed for oh, museums because there's not nothing that. you can. If you give cash, there's a tax deduction, but uh, there's nothing for gifting of of artworks. So I. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a new cultural minister as of last week, so I'm immediately working on her. So yes, <laughs> it would be wonderful for New Zealand because yes, it's yes, been extraordinary yes. for museums in this country. No, the the family who who, who gave the the works, uh, the the wife is Australian and and the the husband is uh, Thai, but unfortunately he, he passed away, and that's why oh, so that's why they I, oh, I know they they gave they, the work. I've the forgotten yes. that. They must have told me. But had he passed away at that time? Well, you, we don't know that he, he, he was in, um, they, the, the wife worked uh, in the foreign ministry and, uh -huh. and she was posted in Phnom Penh. And she was in Australia. She's in Australia, oh, okay. yes. Uh -huh. I don't know but, uh, this, you know, <laughs> if I did, I forgot. The other aspect, before we move on to the next slide, is one thing about this, it reminds me of a Rajneeridsnook's work with the, with the big, uh, large pools of, of black ink that was also Queensland Art Gallery at that time and another Thai artist who's equally extraordinary in a completely different way, but uh, both artists working uh, constantly with the ideas of uh, not so much introspection, but certainly reflection. This work actually, um, uh, it's an extension and of an idea from uh, another sculpture piece of a vessel. Uh, and this is the lip of that vessel. Uh, that vessel, uh, I, I show it, uh, empty without, without anything and, and then one time show it with uh, water and fish and uh, so it was about um, movement, about reflections and, and then so with the mirror um, I could bring it up to the surface and, and um, then it has another kind of um, reflection. Okay, yeah. next slide please. Everything can break. Now you all go, yes. 
there's no question it was one of the most wonderful works in that uh, Biennale, the 18th Biennale of Sydney. Everything can break. And, uh, and there it is, thousands of tiny origami boxes and uh, hand-blown glass vessels or breasts. Breast clouds. Breast uh -huh. clouds. And can you talk about that work, how it came to be? Uh, it's about to be shown in Toledo. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's got such extraordinary, uh, it's captured the imagination of people all over the world. And I think it's, it's really a masterpiece, this work. And I remember when we were in your studio in Bangkok one time, you were talking, when we were preparing for the Taranaki mm -hmm. show, you were talking about your work, because the show was called Stealing the Senses, and you were saying, well, I'm working on this piece, and there'll be glass hand-blown, glass clouds above you, and triggers, and sensory interaction, and it was like, really? <laughs> it was like, so not what I'd known about with work, which is one of the things I love about your work so much. You keep on launching into these new territories. So please talk about this work. I probably talked about it for a long time because it took me a long time to, to <laughs> finally uh, make it happen. Because actually I, I got the idea since about 2008 um, when, when I was able to work with glass, uh, with these glass masters in Murano. And the idea came, uh, at first it was gonna be all glass, but then of course it's not, you know, it, it couldn't happen. And, uh, and then I was invited, in 2009, I was invited by the uh, Metropolitan Museum of uh, Art in New York to participate in this conference called Art Beyond Sight. And uh, as I mentioned, I, I'm interested in um, uh, different sensory perceptions of, of artwork and, uh, and was very challenged to make works that the visually impaired can also experience. And uh, at that time, uh, I was uh, working with, with uh, the breast has um, expanded to clouds. So I had this uh, concept of breast and clouds. And, and so I was able to, to, um, to uh, extend that in, in this piece. And uh, because actually, um, the clouds and breasts, they somehow uh, relate. The clouds appeared um, one day, and, and then I was told later that uh, there's a word in, in Sanskrit called payotara, and it means body, um, beholder of uh, water and beholder of milk. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, and when you think about it, it, it is uh, both, they're both uh, givers and receivers, sensitive, unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then, um, the flying cubes appeared. <laughs> I, I was giving I was giving this uh, small origami of, of cube with wings uh, in a restaurant in Tokyo, and somehow I was so drawn to it. I, I but I didn't quite know yet how how I would interpret it, and uh, so I kept folding it for years. Uh, if it's a cube, it would just be a cube. But but then with the wings. It, somehow for me it transforms, it, it's, it becomes another body that uh, can, can um, deliver you to, to places, to somewhere, you know. And, and then, so, so then it all came about. And, uh, and, and then to, and, 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 um, to be able to incorporate another, another sense of hearing. So, so underneath, I mean, you probably know about it. It, it has uh, 16 sensors that uh, 
the audience going under it will trigger the sound in each spot. And and uh, if you're more than one person, then then you you will discover you will trigger those sounds and you can mix those sounds. And I was I was very um, honored to have Tim Gucci here uh, compose uh, sounds for for the second half of the Biennale. Thank you. And it's going to go to Toledo, to Toledo, Ohio, the, the Toledo Museum of Art in 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 the U.S. Yes. So a 16 uh -huh. channel random composition was the was the brief essentially. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah so so it's. It, um, you, you see, you see an image later, but but it's it's the same kind of concept with uh, breast stupa cookery. Mm -hmm. That I invite different chefs to work with my cooking molds, but this um, I invite different musicians and composers. And it was and if so, you so came very, to the Biennale um, at the beginning and then at the end, it was a very different experience. So the the whole a treatment was much more percussive in the first half mm -hmm. and uh, much more ambient and uh, based on natural sounds in the second. So. It was fascinating experiencing the work with such a different mm -hmm. approach. Okay. How, how did you come oh, up yes. with it? Seeing <laughs> 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 so you happen to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a great honour, I have to say. And I had, had the opportunity to work with Pinnery on another project in Taranaki. So we'd enjoyed working together. And with my um, intense interest in interactive sound and compositional concerns, not just as they apply to music, but also as sound, and actually, um, it was a fantastic opportunity. And um, so when Pinnery invited me, I thought, a lot, I, we talked a lot about, I wanted, first of all, I wanted to really understand what your concerns with the greater concepts, concepts involved with the work. So we talked a lot about that. And then, so I wanted to uh, develop a suite of sense, so there were two areas. One was the sounds themselves, and then there was how they worked compositionally. Because it's 16 channels that are independently triggered. So if there's one person in there, they're only triggering one sound at a certain point in time, which is spatial, depending on where they are in the room. But if there's 100 people in there, they're all triggering at the same time. So it's very complex, compositionally, from a you know, traditional musical compositional point of view, it's a very complex proposition. So once we talked about the conceptual concerns, I then had this very strong idea about types of sounds that I wanted. And a lot of them were natural sounds that had then been affected a little bit, um, and that had to work together. Um, and then it was about sort of working with um, Pinnery's programmer to get the right timing, so that it could work from that different, you know, the different between one triggering and then a whole lot triggering. So it was a fantastic challenge, and I think, and I was just thrilled um, with the outcome. I think it was extremely successful as a work, and I'm. Absolutely thrilled that uh, to know that it's going to be on in Toledo again. So it was a great, great opportunity, and, and I think a very satisfactory collaboration in every regard. More to come. Okay, I think we'll um, go move on to the next, so that we've got some time. Uh, so this work, as you can see, completely uh, different use of material, and yet some of those elongated uh, breast shapes still. Exists breast stupa. This is from two thousand and one. So, uh, Pinnery, can you talk a little about this work? It's which um, hasn't been shown in this part of the world. It's yeah. the first time I coined the word breast stupas, mm. and um, uh, it's done by uh, I take a perfect piece of silk and then I pull the threads mm. out mm. to to uh, form that uh, form in 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 the middle. 
And uh, so I was playing with the um, concept of the, uh, the sacred and the sensual and uh, creating this uh, sanctuary mm-hmm. to, um, you know, to contemplate, to um, be with yourself and uh, to create this environment. It, mm-hmm. it, was, um, it was around the time that I, I started to do a lot of uh, large sculpture installations at first uh, dealing with uh, touch, uh, with this room full of cushions, mm-hmm. and, and then with scent, with candles, uh, with movement, and, and uh, so not, I mean, uh, the setup is uh, not not that, you know, it's like an immersive um, mm-hmm. sculpture installation, not, mm-hmm. not, not so different from, from uh, womanly bodies, mm-hmm. but, but it has, um, I think it's by, probably by age, it's, it's calmed down <laughs> from, <laughs> from womanly bodies. Just to mention, uh-huh. I remember it was the Yokohama Triennale, and there was a room about this big, and I walked into this room, and there was woman, um, the Breast Stupa project, which are, if you could imagine, in orange, yellow, gold, and silk, Pillows about that high, lovely pert breasts, slightly sloppy breasts, <laughs> in a whole range of shapes, vibrating, and everybody lying all over them. <laughs> so that was the project, and you were in there in, with your apron on, I remember. Breast super cookery, it's the apron I cook with every day. So uh, it was you, thinking back then with all your work with sensory connection and perception. The, really, the seeds, and that was when breast stupa cookery began as well. So back in 2005. So interesting how that's progressed. Uh-huh. Next slide, please. Our beautiful assistant. Uh, so in a completely different and such so wonderful to see these works. They're so physical, aren't they? They're extraordinary. So here they are in Pinnery's garden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the breast stupa topiary. Breast stupa topiary. Quite different, and yet very much as part of a continuum. So, can you talk about these? Um, so, with with all with the senses um, of uh, you know, taste, uh, touch, movement, hearing, um, then then of course um, the sense of nature uh, is very important to me. I. I um, my studio is um, next to the garden, next to the kitchen, and then that's how I came up with the breast stupa cookery project. And, and then I wanted to incorporate, in, incorporate um, uh, plants into my work. Uh, I started with uh, doing the dried flowers in my paintings, and then uh, I, I got to do a residency in rural, in, in France, um, and uh, and then started the, the topiary with uh, chicken wire and uh, you know, uh, welded s- steel, mm. and and then and then um, and then came up with this uh, stainless steel structure. Mm. Uh, I haven't really worked with out, really outdoor works until now, mm. and uh, so I. I I discussed it, this with uh, designers, with architects, and, and the, uh, the factory that manufactured it, uh, just to be sure that it doesn't collapse, because the large ones are like uh, two, 270. And people walk uh-huh. inside. Yeah, you can them. go inside. Yeah. And, um, These are three uh-huh. of a group of eight, family mm-hmm. of eight. Mm-hmm. 
So and and then the first place uh, it was it was first um, displayed outdoors in in Arnhem. But then the next show it was going to go uh, in a gallery in Singapore, which the doorway is like about that size. Mm -hmm. So it has to be designed so that it could go through that door. So each one. So it it it, it need. I I need. I need um, a specialist mm. to help me mm. with mm. the design work too. Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. But so it's it's an extension of the breast stupa, uh, which we'll uh, have a look at the next yeah. slide. Yes. <laughs> Marta, this is Marta from Parihaka. So um, maybe if I just contextualise uh -huh. it and then over to you, Pinnery, because I was reading. Um, an interview with you in the New York Times for your show at Tyler Rollins, and you talked about actually the, this as the most memorable experience you'd had. And Pinnery's done this project 30 times mm -hmm. all over the world. And you were talking about how when you uh, did this project in Taranaki in the Stealing the Senses exhibition that it was the one that most touched you, which you might talk about in a moment. But the context was a project I've been wanting to do for a long time called Stealing the Senses, and artists like Jen Wen Ma and the Akalizans, in fact, Jean Sherman opened it, <laughs> funnily enough. So, uh, and there are the breast uh, moulds um, um, made of metal, cast metal, which we displayed in the window with a, a prayer, a, a karakia. And uh, there is this organisation, it's, it's not an iwi, um, it's a group called Parihaka, and they live outside of, of um, outside of New Plymouth, and the women are amazing. So Mata uh, does uh, art projects for prisoners. Um, she's, a, a, she's a linguist. She's an extraordinary woman. Uh, we thought about... Uh, a, I wanted to do breast stupa cookery. It had to be the project for you to do for Stealing the Senses. And what we decided to do is the, the cooking for the opening for 200 people. You know, again, no pressure. <laughs> so, um, so then what we did is talk... We were working a lot with Parihaka at the time, and this is the site of uh, passive resistance, um, said to have inspired Gandhi. Uh, so, and it's an amazing community. So you don't just say, we want to do this art project. It was many, many discussions, and we were welcomed out onto the Marae, which is always a wonderful experience. And uh, through this, um, you work with um, two of the, of the chefs, and um, maybe over to you to talk about that process. Yeah. Breast Super Cookery started in 2005. Um, I wanted to incorporate food into my work. I, um, I was doing a lot of bread at that time, but but I found bread dough, but it's just like not quite right yet. It's just a material. And then I was working with ceramics, and, and uh, I like to bake. So one day I thought, okay, I, I can make cooking molds, and then I can invite different chefs <coughs> to work with them. And uh, apart from food becoming a, a perfect medium and perfect connection, it's my way of asking people back what they think about this form that I've been working on for so long mm -hmm. and interpret it, it into food. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't tell the chefs what to do. Mm -hmm. I, I usually, um, it's the same with the music. So I, I just give them the, the molds and, and they, they will come up uh, with the food and, and how to present it. And, um, and uh, they've, uh, because there's, they are artists themselves and so I learned a lot from them. And, and since the first one, uh, 
we've made cookie cutters, we've made uh, chocolate trays, and you know, like uh, cutting boards, and and um, and and it's 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 so much fun. It's it's uh, I, I never know what's going to happen, and. Uh, it's, it's always something to look forward to. When, when Rana approached me, I, I didn't want to go right away to say, I would like a Maori chef, mm -hmm. and, uh, because it's mixed society. Mm -hmm. And then I remember when through the discussion, I, 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 wanted, I, I was asking for some text that relates mm -hmm. to food in, in, in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And then came the karakia. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was, that was the start of it, and, and, and your assistant um, yeah, contacted yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Mata and, and Tawai. Yeah. And um, Mata, the, the bread, so, so like Rana said, they're, they're from this particular community that, that uh, very famous for their uh, peaceful resistance um, during the colonization days. And, and the bread, they, they would break, bake this bread made from potato yeast. And, and the, this yeast has been handed down um, through her family for it's like about 100 years old. Mm -hmm. and, and it was so much fun. <laughs> Baking, we, we, we cooked in a church, by the way, and Tim was documenting it. So if you they go gave on, heart so, <laughs> so if, if you go on YouTube and Google breast cookery, Tim's video uh, documentary will come up. And in Parihaka, uh -huh. the context, the land is extraordinary because there's all these formations called laha, which are all these breasts in the landscape. So it was like, wow, if you're going to invent a space for Pinnery San Patek, that was it. So, We've got a cut. Sorry? No, I was just yep. going to ask. So, so the, the, the chefs would sometimes uh, translate it uh, more literal about the flesh, about the body, some, some more conceptual. Mm. And um, the uh, Tawai and Mata, they, they were talking about the land mm. about about uh, the uh, the sea and um, and then I realized a lot of people at at the um, the function has have not had this this mm. food before yeah. all of the and, food was and, uh, for you know for example uh, the cycles of women or in preparation during pregnancy or mm -hmm. to induce pregnancy what I love are those tiny red berries that are absolutely poisonous to eat but if they're cooked in a certain way they're very restorative. So these are these sort of secret recipes, you know. And, so. and they, were, they, they were very um, grateful to, to Rana, mm -hmm. their the, the favorite uh, director, that uh, bringing, bringing their activities out to the fore. They'd that, never uh, really been to the gallery before. So mm -hmm. it was a very, it really shifted our relationship with this community through, through mm -hmm. what Penery had done, which was wonderful. We've got time for, I think, three questions. Three questions, because it's six o'clock, so three yeah. short questions. <laughs> <laughs> Very short. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. It's no good just sitting in the audience. Somebody's got to have a question. Hussain. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait for the mark, Hussain. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw your work in 89. You were in Perth. Uh, it was a group exhibition which younger artists and I'm just trying to remember uh, what we did there what what you I remember some with paper but can you remind me what you brought from you I'm not sure you made it there or you brought it from 
Actually, that, that was the, um, the first international exhibition in my career, <laughs> in 1989. Sorry. And uh, it's, a, pro it's, it's um, a program called ARCS, Australia and Artists Exchange, Exchange. Program. Uh, and uh, I, I brought the work, it's, it's um, the collage uh, on paper. And um, I think about 25 pieces, mm -hmm. and then and then the, and then uh, got it framed uh, in Australia, and then and then hung them in in like a a square. Uh -huh. I the customs really like poked her in it. <laughs> they, they wasn't quite sure what what was hidden inside. Uh -huh. Very important, very important. Breasts are a very temporal part of a woman's body. There's a, um, from both, I guess, ourselves and certainly how society constructs visibility for women. Has your thoughts around creating your art with breasts changed as you've aged? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but from from the beginning, it's it's in you know it's in many kinds of uh, shapes and 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 it's. It's. Um, I was just fascinated with the form. I, I was looking for a form, uh, a part of the body that differentiates uh, men and women, and and uh, I, I felt the breast was more beautiful compared to the vagina. The um, it's it's more um, meaningful for me and and beautiful form and uh, and and so that's that's why I, I chose it. Um, it has, uh, it like I said, it, it's it comes from a personal viewpoint, so so it follows me, mm. so <laughs> and and uh, it's um, like I mentioned, it's it's more, uh, I think um, the one from 1994 is 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 a different kind of breast from mm -hmm. from uh, 2013, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, it's probably done. <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> Thank, nice. you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much.